Welcome to GMFC Studios, God's production company. Praise the Lord. Good morning to each of you on this Sunday morning, a beautiful Sunday morning. Some of us are enjoying snow still on the ground. Now, I know we'd all like it to be 72 degrees with a nice cool breeze, but snow is just as necessary as sunlight. The transition of seasons is just as necessary as everything else that God has created. Instead of being frustrated about it, let's just enjoy it. Because as the word declares, this is the day of the Lord. This is the day that he has made. And as such, we should just be glad and rejoice in that day. So we're excited about what God is doing, who God is, and how God loves us. Amazing, the amount of love that God has for us even beyond really our ability to describe. But I salute each of you this morning for taking some time out of your day to spend with us here in the GMFC studios. We're excited uh, here about uh, just a few things we wanna share with you from the word of God today. Some things that are connected to the way you view things. One of the biggest theologies to for lack of a better word that uh, we use today is this idea of our truth your truth somebody else's truth as if we can all have our own version of truth and it all be true validated and qualified which then really means nothing is true because what's true for you isn't true for me, and what's true for me isn't true for you. And so then there really is no, in this type of thinking, real truth. I think that we need to adjust our view of life, just adjust our view of how uh, you know, we see things, how we relate to things. And we need to have a perception of kingdom the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man, but the kingdom of God. Our mentality needs to adjust itself to better reflect the things of God, the word of God. And I just want to share a couple of things with you, you know, today. I'm, I'm still kind of recovering from this uh, sickness in my body. We're believing God that uh, healing has been released and uh, the body is being restored and we thank the Lord and give him praise, glory, and honor. But just before we get into the word today, I want to, I was going to wear a uh, gift that was sent to me um, from one of our members, uh, Janelle Bolger, and I just want to just give a shout out to her. Um, she has such an entrepreneurial spirit and she's such a blessing. She's, she's like a burst of life. And I just want to just give her a shout out. Uh, I will have the tie that you made for me. I will, I will wear that uh, hopefully next Sunday. Um, no promises, but hopefully next Sunday, depending on how we feel. But uh, I do want to thank her for the tie that she sent. It's a tie that she crafted and made in honor of my late father, Bishop Roy B. Lysip. Many, many years ago, my father came up in prayer 
with seven things that he would quote. And he taught it to the church as we were growing up. And it's the seven confessions of our faith. And through the years and as ministry transitioned from him to me, we adjusted some things, we changed some things, we added to some things, and um, it became the seven sayings of our confession of our faith uh, here at GMFC. But the original, the core, the foundation of everything that we believe is founded in these seven sayings. And she took the time and had the right heart and spirit to just put those on a tie in a, a beautiful fashion. And then on the back of the tie, she had a picture of my father. Needless to say, I was greatly, greatly touched by this um, thoughtfulness and this, this show of grace. And I just want to give her a shout out and, and tell her again how thankful I am to have people like her in my life who are thinking constantly of ways to be a blessing to somebody, even when they're struggling themselves. So I thank God for you, and I want you to know I'm very proud of you and uh, appreciative uh, of such a thoughtful gift, and I will be wearing it. I, that you have my word. But um, she also does uh, do things like that, crafts things like that. She's very talented and gifted. Um, reach out to her on Facebook if you have ideas, or if you'd like her to create something for you. I'm sure you guys can work something out. Um, and I believe that we should support and uh, promote each other in the body of Christ. With that being said, let's get to the word of God. Um, as I opened up this morning, I was talking, um, you know, about kind of our, our view. And the title of today's sermon is Your, in capital letters, View. Your view. When as believers, the question we should be asking ourselves is, my view, does it line up with God's view as dictated by God's word? Now, we often say that we are in the greatest fight of our lives with the devil and all of the forces of evil which fell with him. And this is really the mentality of the church. A thought that is provoked and inspired uh, by really more of a type of self-preservation. We do not want to blame ourselves for any of the issues that we face, nor do we want to take responsibility for the things that we've done either. And it's always easier to point our fingers at everything else but ourselves. One of the hardest things that you will ever do is hold yourself accountable. This is why typically... It's encouraged, especially within the body of Christ, especially in leadership, that you have an accountability partner because it is, it's enormously difficult to hold yourself accountable. This might be one of the reasons that I really love the game of golf because golf is a game where you have to, if you're going to play within the rules, you have to hold yourself accountable to the rules and give yourself the penalties when you make mistakes. Now, of course, we, being humans uh, in golf, we, we made up the imaginary rule called the mulligan, which means it's a do-over. What just happened didn't happen. It, it, it's, it's golf's version of grace. 
And my wife is very quick to point out the very few times, saints, few times, I've ever had to call a mulligan. She's really quick to point that out. Hey, that, that, you can't do that. And I have to say, it's a mulligan. It's just a, yeah, mulligan, mulligan, mulligan. But we often have to learn to hold ourselves accountable. And what are we holding ourselves accountable to? As believers, we're holding ourselves accountable to the word of God. We've heard it preached. It's, it's been written in the lyrics of songs. It's been cited in poetry. But we must take a look at the man in the mirror if there's ever going to be a change. And this is really important for the believer. Everything starts with you. Everything that you're going to experience in life starts with the choices that you make. Now, you've heard me say this before, and I, I, I wholeheartedly believe this. The focus of infancy is survival. The focus of childhood is learning. The focus of adolescence is self, and the focus of maturity is reproduction. And God is trying to get us to a place of reproduction because only when you are able to reproduce can you be fruitful. Can you enjoy a level of fruitfulness? And we are lacking in our churches because we refuse to become mature and we begin to, and as, as mature saints begin to reproduce the seed that God planted in us. The difference between the body of the church and the body of the kingdom of God is the body of the kingdom has grown into maturity and put away childish things. I didn't prepare uh, the slides this morning, so I have to encourage you to just go with me in the word of God uh, we won't be putting any uh, scripture up on the screen today. Uh, again, I apologize for that. But uh, go with me in the word of God to the uh, book of John, the 10th chapter and the 10th verse. John 10, 10. The Bible says that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Colon. And there's a reason why I'm saying colon. Colon is the two dots that line up on top of each other. Colon. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, in this passage, as I exasperated uh, to you, uh, we see two distinct facts that are separated by a punctuation mark called a colon. Now, the colon is used as a gate, and it invites the reader or the writer to go onto another thought that is connected to the first thought, or which finishes the first thought. In this case, we can look at it in the same way that we would use the word but. What is preceding the colon or the word but in the colon's place, we'll say, places uh, or finishes and cancels out what was first stated. Now, church people are stuck on what has preceded where kingdom people have shifted their focus on what has finished, what had preceded what was first said. So our mentality or our focus or in line with our title today, our view of things, there needs to be a shift in our thinking if you are ever going to get from adolescence 
to maturity. And many of the body of the church don't even know their mentality has been stolen from them. Now, I want you to keep this aforementioned scripture in your thoughts, and we're going to get back to it today, and I'm really not going to be before you long. We're going to kind of go on warp speed in this. Now, I want you to turn with me in the word of God to this next passage where we're going to see part of what was stolen from us and many of us don't even realize it, it was our identity. And with it went our focus or our mentality because our focus and mentality is often attached to our identity or how we identify ourselves. Genesis, the third chapter, the first uh, through the seventh verse, Genesis 3, 1 through 7. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. The Bible says that now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, And he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Now we see here in this uh, explanation of the events which leads to the fall of man a, a very interesting set of facts. And many have lost focus just as Eve and then Adam ultimately uh, lost focus on this day uh, in the history of mankind. In this interaction between the serpent and Eve, there was nothing said at first to awaken suspicion or to shock the moral sense. Merely a shy insinuation calculated to excite a natural curiosity. Then there was a direct lie combined, however, with just enough truth to give it some plausibility. So the mentality of Eve was thus shifted by the tactic of the enemy. The focus of Eve shifted, and this led to a three-step transgression of men. And we know this three-step transgression as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, there was misquoted word and additions that were made to what was actually said by God as dictated in scripture and as Eve began to regurgitate what God said at the question of the serpent, there were some additions and and, and some just misquoted uh, statements. And we see the first recorded lie in scripture told here. We also see that Adam was with Eve during this interchange. Adam was also affected in his own mentality and as a result loses his position of authority and dominion. This is what the devil is after. 
the dominion of man. God gave man dominion over all of uh, his creation. And God also gave man the authority and the power to complete exactly what man was given charge over to do. What was lost was the mentality of man, which then connects to the identity of man, which then causes man to be unable to function in his proper identity or his proper anointing or his proper position because he's, his mentality has shifted and is no longer where it should be, which causes him to function in a manner by which he was not created. Adam took his focus off of God and allowed himself, just as uh, did Eve, to be swindled out of their own position. Now, this process has been passed down from generation to generation. Man uh, was created by God and man was indwelt by the breath of God. Man had wisdom and knowledge that was given to him by God. And this uh, you know, is demonstrated in the fact that uh, man, Adam, had the ability to speak, to think, to use his imagination, to understand what it was that he was seeing and the wisdom to name even the animals of creation. What knowledge then did man actually need from the tree of knowledge? This was the greatest deception of all time. This was the greatest trick that the enemies ever played against humanity. Adam already had all that he needed. Adam walked with God and spoke to God. There was relationship. God cared about his created man and God provided for, uh, uh, for Adam. God said it was not good for man to be alone. And one would ask if man was with God, then how could he be alone? Well, we see that there are just some things that God will not do. I hear women say, uh, you know, they do not need a man or they, you know, they, they are married to Jesus rather than some uh, human. And, and they already have a husband because of this. And, uh, you know, let me just tell you, let me just say this without any reservation. Women, you need a man just as much as a man needs a woman. This is the wisdom of God. When we say that we don't need a woman or we don't need a man, what we are actually saying is that God got it wrong. That when God looked at man and uh, saw man and said that man was alone and needed a helpmate, someone that was from him, what we're saying is, is God uh, misunderstood and, 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 and uh, didn't get it right. What we're dealing with is the wisdom of God, which is why there's such an attack against marriage, why there's such an attack against the union of man to woman and woman to man, why there's all these offshoots from this that have uh, adulterated what God has created. God, in his wisdom, saw the loneliness of his creation, so he provided for his creation. God fulfilled man's need with a woman and completed man with the same. You know, we are complete in each other. So stop letting the devil tell you you don't need a man. You are just as lonely as Adam was, and Jesus is not trying to lay down with you to satisfy your fleshly desires. So we see what was lost is our identity through our relationship 
with God. And this occurred when the focus of our mentality shifted because of the introduction of the knowledge of good and evil. We thought we needed something we already had, but because we lost our focus on God and began to place the center of our attention on something other than God, we found out that we lost the wealth of our knowledge by trying to attain knowledge that was not for us to attain. Well, then where do we go from here? How do we get back to seeing things, to perceiving things, to being so connected to God that all we see is God? How do we get back there from where we are? We must get back to where we were in relationship with God. And we do this through Jesus. Jesus has become the access back into our place, our authority, our position, our dominion, our very created identity. We must know this for ourselves. This has become uh, the mentality of man if we are to ever regain our position over our enemy. In the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, in the second verse, the Bible declares, and be not conformed to this world. This is just these first few words of this scripture are so powerful as we look at the church of today and all of the turmoil in the church and, and, and even our current crisis within the church of, the, uh, of so many in the church trying to model themselves after the things of the world under the guise that we're trying to be relevant or we're trying to draw the world in by acting like them, doing what they do, saying what they say, wearing what they wear, behaving the same way that they are so they feel more comfortable being around us. But the Bible tells us in Romans 12 to be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now the word conform comes from a Greek word uh, where the root of the word schema means to fashion or the outward form of or appearance of a man. So the word world from the Greek word uh, aeon in the simplest of terms means the world itself encompassing everything that is in it. So this all-encompassing uh, you know, includes things like ideas, theologies, beliefs, processes, discoveries, and so on. And these are the issues blocking the rebirth of the kingdom mentality in the mind and in the hearts of man, in the mind and in the heart of even believers. We have become so full and consumed by the wisdom of this world that we have become infected with an inferiority complex which the enemy has then been uh, capitalizing on. We think that we can't, so we don't. We think it can't be done, so it's not. We have to unlearn all that we have learned about our abilities and allow our minds to be done over again. <clears throat> so what does the rest of the verse say by the renewing of our minds the renewing of our minds the renewing of our minds is not a new gospel the renewing of our minds is not the creation of a gospel 
that aligns itself with the way we now think. The two things I want you to, to see here. First, there is a need for a renewing, meaning there are things that simply don't belong. And secondly, if there is a renewing, then there had to be a first state, an original state, which was right in which we are attempting to return to. So our minds, according to the word of God, must be transformed from um, a Greek word where the root of the word is morphe. Now morphe means the real being of a man. So the idea as depicted in scripture is to shift from this facade or this fake news about who we are to the core of our real being as created in our original state. It's the very nature and essence, the inseparable part, the unchanging shape of a man. We must undergo a radical change within our inner being in order to escape the infection that entered the minds of men. We have to be transformed and changed inwardly. Our very nature, essence, personality, inner being, our inner man must be changed. Our mind must be renewed from a Greek word which means to be made new, readjusted, changed, turned around, regenerated. God is trying to get us back into perfect union with him. So that we too, as Adam once did, can walk in the cool of the day in the midst of the garden into a, a level of perfect union with him. When we begin to change our minds and have the mind in us, which was also in Christ Jesus, then there is no limit to our ability through Christ. I know why the enemy has come. I know why many are still children. I'm learning how to allow the mind of God to be restored in me so that my mentality can be restored in him. I told, I told you that we were going to get back to John 10 and 10. And as I begin to move towards my close, remember the scripture declares the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You see, the devil's job is to steal. He's a thief. Luke 8 and 12 says, Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. Besides being a thief, the devil's job is to kill. Hebrews 2 and 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. And lastly, the devil's job is to destroy. Again, John 10 and 10, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now let's get back to that colon or that punctuation that has finished or canceled what preceded it. I know why, why the devil came. Let me tell you why Jesus came. Jesus dwells in us so that we have now come as well. I am dwells within me so even as he was, so I am. 
My mentality has shifted. I am regenerated in my thinking, restored in my position. I am full of his glory. I am a child of God and joint heir with Christ. I am full of power over the enemy. There is absolutely nothing I cannot do. The devil is getting scared now. The enemies of the gospel are getting scared now. If the children of God return to their seat of power, if they return to their first estate in knowledge, then the devil will have lost his hold upon them when Adam and Eve sinned in their disobedience it was passed on to us by birth the structure of our DNA was defiled and corrupted the base code in our blood shifted from perfection into imperfection ah but I came here today to tell you that Jesus came and because Jesus came our DNA has been restored because Jesus came our code has been reset I don't care why the devil has come because my focus has shifted from him back to Jesus and I know why he came. He came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. I don't have to live like this anymore. I don't have to continue struggling as I've struggled before. I don't have to continue fighting with my identity anymore. Waking up not knowing what the day is going to bring. Struggling with how I'm going to engage it. How I'm going to face it. Struggling with outside forces. Struggling with inside forces. Striving for some level or measure of peace. Because my focus. My view has returned to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Saints of God, hear me today. And I'm speaking really more today to the children of God than I am to those that have rejected Christ. This isn't really a salvation message as much as it is a restoration message of those who have stumbled in the way of those who have allowed the world to creep into their salvation and corrupt it. The Bible says if it were even possible, the elect would turn from God. We're living in a day where we're seeing the manifestation of the very word of God played out right before our eyes like we're, we're a three-dimensional movie and we're all cast members. The whole purpose of the sending of Jesus was to restore us to our original state of being with God. And that's in perfect union with him. So I encourage you people of God today, take some time to think about how you think. Take some time to measure what it is you are focused on. What is your goal? What is your ultimate goal? That the things in your life are driving you to. That how you live your life, how you carry yourself out in life, how you uh, make the decisions of your life. All these things are uh, fashioned in a sense to get you to your goal. What is your goal? Where are you going? 
how are you getting there? And as you begin to bring these things to the forefront, forefront of your mind, align them with Scripture. Because in Scripture is the detailed step-by-step plan to get you from where you may be to where God desires you to be. And if you need to refocus, refocus. If you need to shift your thinking, shift your thinking. If you realize that your truth is not God's truth, then you have a decision to make. Those that don't make it in, don't make it because they've rejected Jesus not because they've sinned. Sin is the manifestation of the rejection of Jesus. Understand what I'm saying to you. Because I already know and I can hear in my spirit people say, I'm not going to, to uh, sin has nothing to do with whether I go to heaven or not. No, sin is the manifestation of what you have accepted as Lord of your life. Understand this. Jesus came And when he came, he took care of sin. So sin no longer has power over you in the sense that it determines where you go because those of us who were once sinners have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And as such, all mankind enjoys the access to redemption. So sin no longer is what puts us into hell. Our rejection of what Jesus has done, our rejection of Jesus (coughs) is what puts us in hell. And hell is real. If you reject Jesus, that rejection is manifested in a life that's filled with sin. If you accept Jesus, then that life is filled with the manifestation of a life of holiness. It's not because I do holy things that I go to heaven. It's not because I sin, I go to hell. It's because I have accepted or rejected Jesus, his way, his truth, his life. While we are yet breathing and have opportunity, take advantage of seeing who you are and where you are in the scheme of eternity. And if your eternity, according to the word of God, is not going to be with God, this is your moment to change. This is your opportunity. And there are not many more days that are left for us to make these choices. I'm praying the Spirit of the Lord meet you right where you're at and begin to minister His grace and open your heart that you might receive His love and accept Him in as your Lord and Savior. That you would go and find someone who would teach you about the things of God or that you would tune in here 
week by week as we expound upon the word of God. Reach out through our various platforms and ask questions. Seek counsel. How can one hear unless there is a preacher? How can you know unless there is a teacher? We stand ready to guide you in the direction of Jesus. Not a denomination, but in the direction of Jesus. There's a whole lot said about denomination and if you talk to a lot of the older saints, some, they'll, they'll tell you, they'll say things to you like, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And there is a whole lot of truth to that. I am by theology apostolic, by experience Pentecostal, which means I stand upon the apostles' doctrine and I have experienced the indwelling presence of God through Holy Ghost. But even though in man's way of defining everything, I stand upon this denomination, it's not my denomination that saves me, it's not religion that saves me, it is simply Jesus who saves me. And I encourage you, find Jesus and let him change your life. God bless you. May heaven smile upon you and grant to you great peace. May the Lord keep you wherever it is you find yourself to be and draw you close to him. May he cover you and bless you and prosper you and heal you and deliver you from the kingdom of darkness, translating you into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. May one day when the Lord commands the trump to sound, I meet you in the air that together we might forever be with the Lord. I am praying for you. Have a blessed and wonderful Sunday. In Jesus' name, God bless you. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.